Thank you, Mark and Cindy, for filling in for Pastor Nate. Um, and uh, I was texting Pastor Nate just a bit ago. We had, when he's gone, there's always, when I'm gone, everything functions fine. When he's gone or Julie's gone, that's when trouble happens, and they're both gone tonight. So uh, um, the AV, the people who control what happens up there, um, the people who are scheduled, neither of them showed up, and so I was trying to figure out what to do. So I texted him to find out, and he said to me, well, um, our vehicle broke down, so I'm about an hour away, so I can come back if you want, <laughs> but, which he can't, obviously. But, so let's pray for them. They, uh, they were traveling with Kayla and Kyle Miller, and uh, their vehicle broke down, and so I think they're getting it taken care of, but that's a little frustrating to start your vacation that way. Take your Bibles and turn to Zechariah chapter 14. Actually, Zechariah chapter 12 is where we'll be. Zechariah chapter 12. We uh, are been going through the series on end times, and uh, as I was evaluating the next coming months, I, I realized that next uh, week, uh, this week and next week we'll have, and then after that, there's a, for a number of different reasons, I'm, I'm on vacation, and then we have some missionaries coming in, and then we have VBS, and a number of things. We do not have a Sunday night where I will be speaking again until mid-August. Um, and so, uh, because of that, I decided to, over the next two weeks, tonight and next week, just kind of wrap up the end time study, and then I won't be able to cover all of it, but we'll come back some other time and do a part B uh, or however you want to look at that, and uh, we'll get back to it. So I just wanted to kind of do a couple last topics about when we talk about the end times, and so I wanted to get into that tonight. Uh, how many of you enjoy studying um, history? Anyone here? Okay, you're saying, well, I thought we were talking about the end times. We are. Okay, how many of you enjoy specifically um, wars, studying aspects of wars? Okay, um, how, how many of you like uh, studying the world wars? You? How many of you enjoy studying Gettysburg? Okay, I, I, as a kid, that was studying American history was something I loved to do. I loved reading books about it, and I, I didn't read a lot as a kid, but I enjoyed that. And I remember as a family going to Gettysburg, and it just that became my new favorite topic was studying about Gettysburg. And um, so it's it's an enjoyable thing for me to study. Um, Gettysburg, if you're not familiar, Gettysburg is the um, uh, the battle that had the most casualties on U.S. soil. There was 7,863 soldiers that died at Gettysburg. Does anyone know what battle in the world um, in, uh, that had the most casualties that the U.S. was involved in? Not on U.S. soil, but elsewhere. Does anyone know? No? It was in World War I. It was in France. It was called the Battle of Aragon in 1918. Um, and it was uh, U.S. and French troops against Germany. And there was 26,000 U.S. soldiers that died. Uh, and it was a long battle. It was a series of, uh, of months, actually. But 26,000 soldiers died. 95,000 soldiers were injured. That's quite a... Quite a battle. 
Um, that is not the battle with the most injuries ever. The battle with the most injuries ever, and I don't know how they figured this out because it's a long time ago, the siege of Baghdad in 1258, uh, they believe that it could have been up to 2 million people died. That's a lot of people. Um, now, it wasn't just um, soldiers, it was also civilians. A lot of civilians were killed, obviously being a siege. The city was shut down and much of its inhabitants uh, died in that battle. When we look at the end times, there is a battle that we see mentioned uh, throughout Scripture, and, uh, and sometimes it's referred to as in that day. So I want to take just a little bit of time tonight and talk about the Battle of Armageddon. If you'll take your Bibles and look at Zechariah chapter 12, and, and we're going to be a number of different places, um, but if you just hang out in Zechariah, the rest of the verses will be on the screen, and uh, hopefully that I got them all up there right. I'll be honest with you, this afternoon I was doing it real quick, and in the middle of doing it, I fell asleep. Ever done that? <laughs> and all of a sudden I was like, wait, what did I just do? And so I think I got it all, though. So, uh, But uh, Battle of Armageddon takes place in a place called Megiddo. If you look in Zechariah chapter 12 and verse 11, it says there, and on that day, we see that phrase used a lot, talking about the day of judgment, the final day of God's wrath being poured out on the battle. He says, the morning in Jerusalem will be as great as the morning in Hadad Rimnon, in the valley of Megiddo. Uh, and it's this place, this valley of Megiddo, that's men- mentioned. Uh, there is a uh, belief of where the ba- valley of Megiddo is. Here's a picture of it, if you can see it there. It's a pretty vast area that covers a lot of ground. If you look uh, in Isaiah, Isaiah talks about how it extends, the valley of Megiddo could possibly extend as far down as to Edom, this battle itself. You see there, and I don't know if you can make that out, but on the top there is Megiddo, the bottom is Edom. And so that stretch there is a 200-mile area that is believed that could be the area that this battle consumes. Um, and uh, large, large area. And if you notice, right in the middle, what, what is right smack dab in the middle? Jerusalem. Um, and so Scripture talks about this battle. If you look in Zechariah chapter 14, if you're in Zechariah, you can see there, it says in chapter 14, in verse 1, Behold, a day is coming for the Lord when the spoils taken from you will be divided in your midst, for I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle. And uh, we'll get into more of what it talks about there, but uh, the entire area is pretty large, and Jerusalem is mentioned as being in the center. Now, who are involved uh, in this battle, uh, one more verse I was going to look at talks about in Revelation that battle is called, area is called Armageddon. Who are the participants in this battle? Who's involved? Let's see what Scripture says. Uh, first of all, all the armies of the nation. I just read in Zechariah chapter 14, it says, I will gather all the nations. Um, we uh, last week talked about the, the ten horns, the ten kings. Um, scripture talks about them coming together. Uh, the, the beast, we talked about that last week, the Antichrist mentions him as well, and we'll see some verses that talk about that. The dragon, uh, Satan, is also mentioned, and so, uh, but all the nations come together. Who else, what else is there? And, and demonic invasion. Uh, a demonic invasion. If uh, you were, uh, hold your finger, Zechariah, I do want to look at one passage in Revelation that I didn't put on the screen. Revelation chapter 16. Revelation chapter 16. Turn there, if you will. 
I just read from verse 16, but if you look at verse 14, verse 14, it says there, For they uh, are demonic spirits performing signs who go abroad to the kings of the whole world to assemble them for battle on the great day of the God Almighty. And then down verse 16, it says the place they gather is called Armageddon. So it's this, this demonic influence, this demonic uh, force uh, goes and gathers all the people and brings them together. It's, uh, we get the picture of many things coming, di- coming together here. And then also an invasion from above. If you're in Zechariah, look at Zechariah again, chapter 14. And look down at verse 3. It says, Then the Lord will go out and fight against those nations as when He fights on the day of battle. On that day, His feet shall stand on the Mount of Olives, that lies before Jerusalem on the east, and the Mount of Olives shall be split in two from east to west by a very wide valley, so that half of the mount shall move northward and the other half southward. You see in the Scripture then it says that Jesus will come, and specifically it says He'll come to the Mount of Olives, and, and at that time all of these forces will converge. Okay? We'll get into more about that in a minute. So we see that the participants. Next thing I want to notice is the siege. Uh, scripture talks about that. If you look in Zechariah again, look, down, uh, look at chapter 12. At chapter 12 and verse 2. Talking about this battle, and it says, Behold, I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding people. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. On this day there will be a siege. What's a siege? Well, you understand what a siege is. They cut off all supplies as much as possible. Um, I don't know how that'll happen or how that'll look. It's, we live in an age where that's a little harder to do. But um, for whatever reason, it tells us that it'll take place here and the siege will happen. And uh, the battle, uh, so all the nations will gather around. And these armies will be under the direct control of the Antichrist. If you notice in Revelation, it tells us they will make war on the Lamb. If you're to turn to Revelation chapter 17, you can look there if you want, but it, it previous to that, it's talking about the beast and the dragon. I said last week the dragon is uh, a reference to Satan, and the beast is the Antichrist, and it says they will make war on the Lamb. So they'll come there, but I love what it says next, the Lamb will conquer them. For He is the Lord of lords and King of kings, and those who are with Him are called and chosen and faithful. And that's a reference to believers. All of them will gather, under the, but the armies that will come against Christ will be organized by the, the beast, the Antichrist. And they have one purpose. Uh, they have one purpose, what they want to do. And we see in Revelation, we'll talk about that in a minute, it says, And I saw the beasts and the kings of the earth with their armies gathered to make war against him who sits on a horse and against his army. That's Jesus. What is it? Why are they gathering? This is nothing new, really. I mean, why do... Uh, why, why today do God's enemies attack Him? Whether it's in some other form. Because of their desire to take Him down. And what does it say in Psalms? Why do the nations rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers take counsel together against the Lord and against His anointed. The word anointed is a reference to the Messiah, Jesus. They come together and they have one purpose, to destroy Israel. I mean, that has been the purpose and the plot throughout history. Destroy Israel. Destroy Israel. And we see how many world powers have risen up and that's been their desire to destroy Israel. And yet God has protected His people. 
and God will continue to protect his people, and we'll talk about that uh, more here towards the end. And so we see there that, that the siege will take place. And we see also destruction of Jerusalem is mentioned. Again, look at Zechariah chapter 14 and verse 2. For I will gather all the nations against Jerusalem to battle, and the city shall be taken. There will be this, for, for a momentary time, however long it is, there will be this time when Jerusalem is, uh, is, is taken captive. Um, and, and, but the Jews will not surrender. If you notice in that passage, uh, it talks about the city shall be taken and the houses plundered and the women raped. Half of the city go out into exile, but the rest of the people shall not be cut off from the city. The idea there shall not be cut off from the city is, is that they will stay strong and they will, they will still be there. We see from that passage, though, uh, that a lot will happen. It says that the houses will be plundered. The idea there is wealth. The wealth will be taken. And I think the Antichrist and his armies will feel like, hey, things are going well. They're destroying cities. Maybe they're, I mean, uh, houses, maybe they're burning them down. They're stealing and, and they're, they're winning a battle. It says there that women are, are raped, uh, women are mistreated, children are mistreated, half of the population is slain. It's very, uh, sounds like a very horrible situation. It does not sound like a stepping stone to victory. Um, and yet, uh, we know that that is coming. And so then, because what happens next is a supernatural invasion to deliver Israel. And the Bible tells us about that. Notice what it says in Revelation chapter 19 and verse 11. Then I saw heaven open, and behold, a white horse. And that, uh, just amazing picture of this one coming with power. The one sitting on it is called faithful and true. And in righteousness he judges and makes war. And Jesus comes from heaven and he comes down. And notice what it says next. And all the armies of heaven arrayed in fine linen, white and pure, we're following him on white horses. And we talked about this a couple weeks ago, but who is it referenced to when it says that they're arrayed with white linen, pure and white? Who's that talking about? The church. When did we get those clothes, so to speak? Okay. During, during, during the time in heaven, during what is referred to as the tribulation, we said that God... Uh, gives us uh, rewards, and, and part of that, he prepares us for the marriage feast, and, and he gives us this white linen, white clothing. And we, here we see that the armies of heaven come down, and Jesus is leading the way, and, and we are behind him as, as believers, and we come forth, but God is leading the way. We see in, uh, throughout the Bible this, that Christ will lead His armies. He'll lead His armies, but not just us as believers. He'll also lead the angels. If you notice in, in uh, Matthew chapter 24 and verse 31, it says, and He uh, will send out His angels with a loud trumpet call, and they will gather His elect from the four winds and from one end of heaven to the other. The angels will be there. I mean, it's just, again, we're thinking about what's taking place, and I, I can't even imagine you have all the people from all over the world gather to this area, and the demonic forces come in, and then, and then suddenly, uh, you know, Jerusalem's just feeling like everything's against them. They're being defeated again as a nation. And we see the imagery of Jesus coming down, and, and we are with him, and then the angels come as well, and we're all gathering to this one location. And the 
And it, it comes at a time when not, uh, things happen that just aren't normal. If you notice in Matthew chapter 24 and verse 25, it says, Immediately after the tribulation of those days, the sun shall be darkened, and the moon will not give its light, and the stars will fall from heaven, and the powers of the heaven will be shaken. And those are just catastrophic events. The sun will, not, uh, sun will be darkened. I mean, the moon is gone. The stars fall from heaven. I mean, you just picture this. Imagine being here on the world and seeing that and not knowing what's going on. Um, and uh, the, the awe that it must cause. This invasion will be accompanied by uncanny manifestations in heaven. Unbelievable things taking place. And uh, because God is coming uh, to show His power. And Scripture tells us not only that, but in Matthew chapter 24, verse 27, that you know, as everything is darkened, that Jesus comes as the light. Notice what it says there, For as lightning comes from the east and shines as far as the west, so will the coming of the Son of Man. Here He comes, and, and all of this, the darkness and all of the, the turmoil of this battle, and all of a sudden, boom, bright light of, of Christ. And His feet touch the Mount of Olives, as we read in, in Zechariah chapter 14, in verse 4, it tells us there as he touches him, the Mount of Olives just breaks apart. Um, you talk about an entry. I mean, I don't know if I can think of any battle in history where there's that kind of entry, you know, where it just happens suddenly. As I was looking at battles, as I was talking about at the beginning, I was looking at battles as we think of one of the um, most horrific battles we would think of as a people is Pearl Harbor. And can you imagine being there in Pearl Harbor on that day and, and all of a sudden these planes come? And that must have been stunning. It must have been shocking. But more so than that is the events that we're talking about here. This great battle and in comes uh, Christ and His people and His angels. And, and with that, this, these events that take place and, and He steps on earth and, and the mountain just trembles at His coming. That is the supernatural invasion that happens Next, I want to notice is the divine operation of the battle. What, what are the events? What are, uh, how, does, how does it operate? Well, Jesus Christ leads the way. Jesus Christ is the one that's in control. Uh, Christ will do the fighting, but Scripture does tell us that the angels have a part of it. Notice what it says in Matthew, talking about the, these, these end times. It says, "...and the enemy who sowed them is the devil. The harvest is the end of the age, and the reapers..." are the angels. They come in and as Jesus knocks them down, as Jesus killed, the angels come through and in a sense they, they finish up. And the Son of Man will send His angels and they will gather out the kingdom, all causes of sin and all law breakers. We see there that the angels will clean up. Well, what's the chief weapon? I find this interesting when we look in Scripture. What is the chief weapon? Notice what it says in Revelation chapter 19, verse 21. And the rest were slain by the sword that comes from the mouth of him who's sitting on the horse. And all the birds were gorged with their flesh. And we see the sword that comes out. What's that a reference to his words? Just the, the power of it. You know, his almighty word is enough to consume these massive armies that gather. And, and really, what could easily be called, you know, anything much greater than any world war. 
And we see that Jesus, just with his words, can consume all of the armies. We see what happens is just complete carnage. The carnage of these defeated armies we see mentioned. Take your Bibles again and look at Zechariah chapter 12. Chapter 12, and look at verse 2. Chapter 12, verse 2, it says, And behold, I am about to make Jerusalem a cup of staggering to all the surrounding people. The siege of Jerusalem will also be against Judah. And on that day, I will make Jerusalem a heavy stone for all the people, and all who lift it surely will hurt themselves, and the nations of the earth will gather against it. It will produce a, a trembling, uh, a fear that Jesus will cause to happen. It says there, a cup of staggering. Uh, that Jesus will cause to produce. Look, if you will, at Zechariah chapter 14, look at verse 13. On that day, a great panic from the Lord shall fall in them, so that each will seize the hand of another, and the hand of one will raise against the hand of another. The, the chaos that will ensue, that uh, this is not just, you know, I, I think about this, and I think this can't be just something normal. This can't be just something that happens and just doesn't, uh, and, and, and seems like every other event that we've seen. It doesn't, this is something unusual because as we see in that passage, a great panic will come. So much so that they'll, they'll grab the person next to them and start fighting with them. With their, their, their fellow soldiers, they'll start fighting. And this, the chaos that comes out of that. You know, the brilliance of it. Uh, look, if you will, at, uh, again, back to Zechariah chapter 12. Look at verse 4. He says, On that day declares the Lord, I will strike every horse with panic and its rider with madness. But for the sake of the house of Judah, I will keep mine eyes open and I, when I strike every horse of the people, peoples with blindness. It says there in that passage that even the animals will be affected with blindness. Men will go mad. Um, a tremendous thought. Now, side, side comment here. Some people have said, you know, why are they use, using horses? You know, we, you know, today we have tanks. I have no idea. <laughs> the simple answer is that. But, uh, uh, you know, it talks about horses a great deal of what will take place. But the animals in, in, in also here seems to indicate that they will be astonished by what is taking place. goes on. Look at Zeph- uh, Zechariah, excuse me, chapter 14. Look at verse 12. It says, In that time, and this shall be the plague which the Lord will strike on all the people that wage war against Jerusalem, Notice what it says, their flesh will rot while they are still standing on their feet, and their eyes will rot in their sockets, and their tongues will rot in their mouth. That sounds gross. Verse 15, the plague like this plague shall fall on the horses, the mules, the camels, the donkeys, and whatever beast may be in those camps. Uh, It's just this hideous nature. Um, Some have said it sounds very similar to the fallout of a nuclear event, but just this, uh, suddenly people's bodies where they're standing will just rot, um, and uh, gory, really gory, uh, if this was a movie it would be probably you know, rated R for goriness, but it's just, uh, we see that God talks about that, and uh, we notice in, in Revelation what it says when it talks about the, all these people who are killed, so the angel swung his sickle across the earth and gathered the grape harvest of the earth and threw it into the great winepress of wrath of God. The winepress was trodden outside the city and the blood flowed from the winepress as high as the horse's bridle 
for 1,600 stadia. That is about, uh, uh, it's, it's a long distance, about 200 miles, which is the distance we talked about on the map at the very beginning. That uh, the, the blood flowed as high as the horse's bridle. That's high. We, we get the idea of a complete bloodshed, a complete carnage. We see in Isaiah talking about it, it says, The Lord is enraged against all the nations and furious against all their hosts. He has devoted them to destruction and, uh, and has given them over for slaughter. Their slain shall be cast out. Notice what it says next. And the stench of their corpses shall rise, and the mountains shall flow with their blood. That's not something that we want to talk about because it's so gross, but we get the idea of the complete destruction of God's enemies. And then what happens next? It says, And the beast, Antichrist, were captured. And with it, the false prophet, the one who proclaimed uh, uh, his own religion, who uh, in its presence had done signs which he had deceived those who had received the mark of the beast and those who worshipped its image. These two were thrown alive into the lake of fire that burns with sulfur. They were taken and they were thrown into this lake of fire, into hell, into a place of torment. We see this horrible destruction talked about in this battle. But the last thing I want to notice is the salvation of Israel. Through all of this, God has said all along that His people Israel, that He will come and He will protect them. Remember, this is all gathering around Jerusalem. And so, God at this time will pour out His uh, blessing to the people. Take your Bible again. Look at Zechariah chapter 12. And look at verse 9. It says, And on that day I will seek to destroy all the nations that come against Jerusalem. And then notice what he says next. And I will pour out on the house of David and the inhabitants of Jerusalem a spirit of grace and pleas for mercy. God will pour out upon Israel an incredible amount of grace. He will show mercy. Now, we look at the nation of Israel and have they uh, believed in Jesus, the Messiah? No, they haven't. And so God, though, looks down and says, in mercy, I will still uh, uh, love them. I will still give them grace. And the outpouring of the Spirit allows them to recognize Christ. If you look at Zechariah chapter 12, verse 10, it says the pleas for mercy. And then notice what it says that next in the middle of the verse. So that when they look on me, on him who they have pierced, they shall mourn for him as one mourns for an only child and weep bitterly over him as one weeps over a firstborn. What is the idea there? Is that this outpouring of the Spirit, this this grace that God gives to the people of Israel allows them for the first time to realize who Christ is. You know, that recognition, it says, that they look and they mourn. They mourn because they, they hadn't realized it before. They mourn because suddenly all these things that they've heard uh, are true and, and they realize what took place. Uh, Jesus was crucified for them by them. And uh, it is, uh, and God's grace becomes even more real to them. And I believe Israel then will break out into a prolonged time of rejoicing and confession of sin. And confession leads to regeneration and the whole nation will be born. Uh, take your Bibles, uh, I didn't put it on the screen, but turn to Isaiah chapter 
66. Isaiah chapter 66. And here, this is talking about uh, Jesus, or God is talking about having humility and contriteness in verse 2. He's saying that he'll look upon a person who's humble. And of course, uh, throughout history, Israel has struggled with that. But then we come to verse 8, and he says, Who has heard such a thing? Uh, who has seen such a thing? And the, uh, he's talking about this, uh, the labor of God delivering his children. He says, Shall a nation be brought forth in one moment? Shall people be born, uh, shall a land be born in one day? And, and the idea of what he's saying is, yes, that's, that's what's going to happen. And this day, at this moment, at this time, when Christ re- releases uh, his army upon uh, Antichrist, that they'll all be defeated, and because of that, a nation, one nation can, together as a whole, will be regenerated, will turn to Christ. And uh, that is uh, when we will then usher in a, the kingdom and a thousand-year reign. Um, I, I think it's uh, pretty amazing to look at. Uh, in some ways, it's terrifying, but in other ways, it's not, because uh, if you're a believer today, you won't be the one that's part of the destruction and uh, so it's exciting to see. I want to, as I said, wrap up next week by looking at uh, some of the, the events uh, that follow. Uh, but we'll talk about that next week. Let's close in prayer.